up our ears, open up our hearts, Lord. Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, will you open up our hearts? Jesus, would you reveal the Father this morning? Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal Jesus? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Your grace, God. Your grace. Your grace. Your grace. Your grace. Would you just put your hand on your heart right now? Just bring that down. Just put your hand on your heart right now. Just say, Father, speak to me. I am your child and I am open. Come personally. Come close. Speak to me. I am listening. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to church this morning. Can you stay, Lisa? Yeah. It's a it's an incredible season that we're living in on the earth today. I'm I'm just overwhelmed with the love of God this morning. You know, even as I was sitting there in the front row, you know, I just feel quite emotional about how God feels about you this morning. You know, he is so desperate. He is so desperate for you to know how much he loves you. Amen. He is so desperate this morning for you to have a revelation about who he is and who you are and how the two of you meet. He, he placed on my heart, you know, about a month ago, uh, this revelation, this message for the body of Christ about who we are, not just as people, but who we are as people in this country. <clears throat> I shared a few weeks ago that nations have certain atmospheres. Is that right? Countries have atmospheres, and those atmospheres are usually because there are spiritual realms over that atmosphere which create that atmosphere in that particular nation. We talked about if we went to America, we would probably run into pride. And, um, and that pride is a negative and a positive thing. So there's, there's positive things in these cultures and, and spiritual atmospheres over our nations and there's negative things. So, I mean, pride is a great thing um, if we've got, you know, pride in our country and pride in our God and pride in who we are as people, then it gives us confidence and it gives us boldness and they're all good things. But when it goes to the negative realm, when that pride becomes, you know, greater than God or that pride becomes pride in ourselves and not leaning on God, then that becomes a problem. And other nations have strongholds over them, such as Asia. We would see that there's idolatry and poverty. And uh, when we come to Australia and we look at Australia, what is this thing that is over our nation? What is it and you say, well, how does that affect me if there's something over a nation? When there's a spiritual atmosphere over a nation, it affects those who live under it. And, and what the enemy will do is he will repeatedly reinforce that in your life over many, many years so that you come under that and so that you stay under that. Amen? And when I look at Australia, I think, what is the, the stronghold over Australia? It's definitely rejection. You know, we are, we are a people who don't like ourselves very much at all. We don't like ourselves and we don't like to present ourselves. We're not going to be forthright with ourselves. We're definitely not going to be prideful. That's not going to be a problem in this nation. Amen? We're never going to have that problem. Our problem is probably that we just feel like we're never good enough. 
and we're always struggling to be good enough. And the Lord came to me and he said, there's an orphan spirit within the church. There's an orphan spirit. It's a, it's a spirit where people just feel like they've come in to the church and they've come into the family of God, but they don't quite fit. And I shared last week that we adopted a little boy in my family uh, when he was little. And, you know, with all of the love, my mother was the most incredibly loving person. Our family were the most incredibly loving family. Like, you can't get near my family and not feel, like, completely loved. But this little boy, no matter what we did, no matter how we treated him, no matter how much we told him, no matter how much we hugged him, no matter how much we kissed him, no matter how many presents we gave him, he could never believe that we loved him. He was always the person that came into the family that didn't quite fit. And even to this day now, he's in his 40s. He has rejected the whole family. He said, you're not my family. We raised you, we loved you, we called you brother, we did everything for you, but you're not my family. Can you imagine what it's like for a God who has this family, this, the church, and he longs so much to love the church. He longs so much to love us as individuals, but we push that away because of the rejection that's on our lives. Amen? Can you imagine, like, I mean, just look at your little baby, you guys. You know, this is your beautiful little willow grace, and she's the most precious gift to you. And you, you can't even describe the love, can you? Like if somebody said to you, how much do you love your own child? You cannot even describe that love. And those of you who haven't had children yet, you're going to wake up one day and realise, flip, this is what they were talking about. You can't even describe this love when you hold this child in your hands. But you imagine a little willow, you know, you love her, you give her all the love, and then she grows up and she just rejects that love. She doesn't want to be loved by you, mum and dad. You don't really love me, mum and dad. You just pretended to love me all these years. You don't really love me. And this is the message. This is the message. God in heaven, our heavenly father, wants to love us. But because of this spiritual atmosphere over our nation, we are continuously pushing that away. We're continuously denying who we are as his children and therefore becoming disempowered to do what we need to do on the earth because we never rise up as sons and daughters. And this is the plan of the enemy. And you need to really have a listen to the first session of that. It's free on podcast and you can download that because I want to preach this in a series. And so you really need to understand where I'm coming from, amen? So what we're doing is we're talking about the spirit of sonship. Is that right? And Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. And deep within us, when we we received Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, we received the spirit of sonship inside of us, the spirit of a daughter inside of us, And inside of us, there is a cry, there is a groan that is crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, Daddy. Inside of us, there is a longing to belong. There's a longing to need to know that he is my father and I am his child. 
But everything around us wars against that and everything inside us wars against that because the enemy does not want us to realise that. Why? If we realised for one second that we were God's actual children, then we would realise that we have authority. We would realise that we have dominion authority over this land, over this planet, over our atmospheres, over our workplaces, over our schools. We have dominion authority over sin, over sickness, over death in Jesus' name because Jesus paid the price to give us authority. If for one second we realise that, then the enemy will be in a lot of trouble. He doesn't want us to realise that, so he's going to do everything he can. And I talked about last week how Jesus got baptised in the Holy Spirit and the Father came, like his Holy Spirit came like a dove. And then the Father, from a voice from heaven, they heard it. Everyone heard it. And the Father was proclaiming, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son. He was proclaiming his fatherhood over the planet again. He was proclaiming that my son is going to reintroduce you to me, the father. We were separated in the garden, but my son is bringing you back into relationship. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus was taken into the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days and for 40 nights in the wilderness. And the first thing the enemy did in that place of the wilderness, was come to Jesus and say this, if you are, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are the Son of God, and continuously he's saying to that to us over and over and over and over again, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are the daughter of God, if you really are, and in our minds, that is the question that is continuously in our mind. Am I really the daughter of God? Am I really the son of God? And then we go and we pray, try and pray for the sick and they don't get healed. And then he says, if you really are the daughter of God, turn this stone into bread. Prove it. And we wrestle with it. We wrestle with it. We wrestle with it. But until we get it in here, Until we get it in here, we won't manifest the kingdom of God on the earth because we won't really believe that we are children of a kingdom. Amen? I think of that, um, you know, that that old fairy story. um, What was her name? You know, the girl who was a princess, but she got amnesia. Anastasia. Anastasia for all the girls in the house. And, uh, you know, she... This is like a, a fairy story, but, you know, here she is. She's a princess, and they're, they're, the kingdom is being overthrown by an evil leader. And, um, and they run with her family, and she falls over, hits her head, and gets amnesia and forgets that she's a princess. And so she's there being raised in poverty, and she's being, she doesn't know who she is. She has no identity. She has no home. She has no family, doesn't know who she is. Does it sound familiar? And then she's brought in and then she, you know, they, they try and say that you, you, you look like the princess. Why don't you just pretend you're the princess? And, you know, you can get all the money and all the stuff. These, these, these scoundrels get a hold of her and say, you look like the princess. You can pretend it. They're looking for her, you know. You can pretend to be the princess. 
And so she pretends to be the princess and she presents herself before the queen and, and everything and says, you, you look like my Anastasia, you look like her, and could you really be her, could you really be her? In actual fact, the whole time she really was. But she never knew it. Not until it was proven to her. It was proven to her that she had not just was she pretending to be a princess, not just was she pretending to be royalty, but she actually was. And that she had a birthright and that she could rule and reign and she could actually change circumstances over a whole nation by her opinion and by her decisions and by what she sanctioned to be right and to be wrong. The Lord has given us scepters in our hands, but they sit dormant. He's given us authority over a nation, but our mouths stay shut. He's given us dominion authority, but our land stays in ruin and our homes stay in chaos. Because we don't know who we are. We have amnesia. And I'm here to wake you up this morning. I'm here to remind you. I'm, I'm going to keep just telling you until you believe it. Amen. We need to renew our minds. We need to renew our minds. We need to get revelation. Amen? The most, so that brings me to today. And the most important thing that we need in our search for the spirit of sonship and the revelation of that is identity. Amen? We need identity in Christ. We need to know who we are. If we know who we are, then we know what we can do. We know who we are, then we know who we belong to and whose name we come in. Amen. We come in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We come in the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the mighty God. Amen. How would it be for you, Mark, if one day I just came to you, Mark, and I just said, Mark, guess what? We've done some research and we've just realized that you actually are an heir to a throne. Yes. And you know what? You can go to, you know, this land that we tell you and you can actually change the atmosphere of that land. It's, send him to Norway, Phil says. <laughs> I'll send him to Tugra. You can actually go to Tugra and you're the king of Tugra. Amen. And Tugra's being ruled by an evil king right now, but you can boot him out and you can, you can stand up and you can change things. You can put laws and decrees in place. How amazing would that be? But it's not a fairy tale. And it's not a dream. It's real. You really are kings and priests. Amen? You really are royalty. You really have been bought with a price. You really have been adopted into the family of God. You really are a son and a daughter of God, the creator of heaven and earth, the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God. You really do belong and you really do matter and you really do count. And what you say matters and how you act matters and how you live matters. Amen? Amen. You know, anybody ever seen that show, Find My Family? It's my favorite show. All the kids laugh at me. I tape it, you know, and I just watch three or four series in a row and just sit there and bore my eyes out. And I just love it. It's my little thing. I just shut everyone out. And they all come and go, oh, you're not watching that, are you? And it's like, yeah, everyone out. This is my little show, right? I just love it because in Find My Family, you know, it's like these adopted kids either looking for their parents 
or parents who adopted kids out looking for their kids. And sometimes it's like 35 years later. And there was one girl on the other day, and she was about, she was about 35. And she had never seen her mum, never. And she'd been raised in an adoptive family that she never felt part of, and she never felt like she was loved, and she never had affection of a mother. She never got cuddled from her adoptive family. Now she's got two boys of her own, and she's looking for her mum. And, and then they go to flip over to the mum, and she's been looking for the daughter, but because she adopted her out when she was just a young girl and she didn't have any choices, back in those days they would just say, you're underage, you have to adopt your child out, There's not, you're not allowed to keep this child, there's no way to support this child, and they just take the child from you and you sign her. And she, after she'd signed her baby over, she went back looking for her, trying to find her, said, you've lost all rights, you signed her over, you can't have her. And she'd been looking for her for 35 years and they told her, you're not allowed to know where she is, you're not allowed to know anything about her. And for 35 years, she would just, she would just sit there thinking about this baby and crying over this baby 35 years. And then she gets this message that she's looking for you. And this girl said something amazing. When she looked at the photo of her mother for the first time after 35 years, she looked at the photo and she said, she looks like me. My whole life, I've been longing to look at someone who looks like me. She looks like me. I feel like I belong. And the minute they saw each other and they hugged each other, you're going to want to watch this now, Jason, aren't you? Find my family. It's a great show. You're just, you're just so caught up in it. I was like, oh, God. And the minute they saw each other, they hugged each other, the little girl, the girl goes, 35 years of age, she said, I'm home. And the mother said, I'm complete. And it's just the most amazing thing. And I, I remember when I, you know, I was saved because I saw the face of Jesus. He revealed himself to me in a most profound way. And I remember looking into his eyes and that same feeling, looking at him thinking, I've found someone that looks like me. I've found someone when he looks at me, I feel like I'm home. I've found someone who knows me, someone who understands me, someone who looks deep inside me and finds the reality of my true identity, of who I really am, not what I present to the world, you know, because I was in the entertainment industry, so I presented an identity to the world. But that wasn't who I was. In here, there was this person, this person that wanted to love, that wanted to give, that wanted... You know, I used, to, I used to write poetry and I wrote this poem one day and it says, I have so much love to give, but I've yet to find a world to give it to. Do you know what? I found a world to give it to. Ha <laughs> ha, it's you. You get stuck with me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You find your identity in him. And, and that's why Satan wants to keep you apart. You know, you, you, you know you, it says you can have a form of godliness denying the power therein. And you can have a form of salvation. You can get to heaven. You can say, I'm a Christian. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. But you never enter into the fullness of who you're supposed to be on this earth. You never make a difference. You never cause an effect by your life. You never have a ripple effect by your generations. That's right, darling. <laughs> You're cute. Amen. <laughs> 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve says this, Now we see, but in a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, 
then I shall be fully known. Even as I am, then I shall, so then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There's a place that God wants to bring us to, and I believe it's before we get home, that we can actually look face to face to our Father, and that we would know Him fully, and that we would be fully known. There's that place of transparency. There's that place where the orphan spirit can't trust to open up. It can't trust to actually unpack and stay and put roots down. But the spirit of sonship puts roots down, unpacks their bags. I'm here to stay. The spirit of sonship trusts. I trust you, Father. You look at Jesus as an example. I mean, every second of every day, he was in relationship with his Father. Everything that he says, says, I do it because my father said, my father said this, my father said that, my father said go there, I go there, my father said don't go there, I don't go there, my father said heal that sick person, I heal that sick person. My father, my father, my father. He would feel, he would give out to all the people and then he'd draw away to be with his father again. Jesus came to reveal the father. He came to reveal a father that it was a total intimate connection with his child, with you, with you, with you, with you, with you. Not just with a church, not just with a body of people, but right down to one. One One-on-one, one-on-one. Your father, Gal, you know your daddy. You know he's your daddy. Right now he's more your daddy than ever. You know, when his children suffer, he just comes, he wraps his arms around, doesn't he? And you know that you know that even though you feel alone, you're not alone. And you never, he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never lets you down. He never lies to you. He's your daddy. Amen. And God wants us all to have that relationship to grow and to grow and to grow and to grow and to grow. <sighs> Gee. So much to say. It's a huge message. If I don't, I'm going to cry all day because I'm so burdened with this message. Um, You know, they say, psychologists say that if a girl does not receive her father's affirmation by the age of 13, she will never emotionally mature. And if a boy does not receive his father's affirmation by 12... He will never develop into manhood. There's a cry within us to become emotionally mature as women and to walk into manhood as a man. That's why they would put their sons on their shoulders at at 12, 13 and walk through the city streets and by the elders of the gates and say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's how they would enter into manhood. There's so many men. You know, Daniel, you're one of them. Never heard it. Never heard your dad say, you know, Daniel, you're amazing. And therefore you struggle, you struggle for that manhood. You know, always trying to step into it and never feel like you can. You know what? Your father wants to tell you that. Daniel, your father is calling you into manhood. And as soon as you get this revelation that you are a son of the living God, then you will hear his voice say to you, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And you will rise up, amen.
You're right on the brink of it. Right, you're right on the brink of it. I can feel it. It's almost like, you know, it's just there. It's right there. Amen. In Romans 8, 22, I want to read you some scripture and then I just want to bring this through to, to close this message. I feel like I've been talking for about three minutes. Does time stand still when you need it to? Lord, we have that authority yet. Romans 8.22, we know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the child, pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. The hope that is seen is not hope at all. And I'll just go on and I'll go down to 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And then if we come down to... um, Well, I'll go from 8.28. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Listen to me. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but this is 8.22 again, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. There's a lot of groaning going on in these scriptures. There's a lot of groaning in these scriptures going on. And then in um, Romans 8.31, it says this. What shall we say then in response to this? Let's go to 33. Who will bring any charge against us, those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, he was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is interceding or groaning for us. So we see in this scripture right here, we see, okay, it starts out that the whole of creation is groaning. The whole of creation is groaning what? Because there is a revelation to be revealed. The whole of creation is groaning because there is a revelation to be revealed. There is a revelation to be revealed. And the revelation to be revealed is this. The whole of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. The whole of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. The whole of creation is groaning. Then it goes on to say, not only that, but we ourselves are groaning. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit is groaning. Not only that, but Jesus Christ is groaning in heaven. So there's this whole groaning going on. There's this whole thing going on and it is for one cause and one purpose is that we would just get it. Everyone's groaning. Even ourselves are groaning from within. That we would know that we are sons of God. That for the manifestation 
of the sons of God, for the unveiling of the sons and the daughters of God, for the veil to be lifted off us, for the mindsets to be shifted, for the hearts to be changed, for the connection between heaven and earth to come. The whole thing is groaning. The Holy Spirit, inside of us, Jesus in her, just so that we'll get it. Amen? There's a lot of groaning going on for you right now. Right now, there's groaning going on for you. Individually. You yourself. Joe, there's groaning going on right now. Creation. Holy Spirit inside you. Jesus, groaning. Joe, can you get it? Just get it. Just get it. You're a daughter of a king. You're royalty. You belong. You're not just belong. You're here to rule and reign. Amen? He wants you to get it. Scriptures say this. 1 John 3 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 2 Corinthians 6 18. I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, we can actually ask Jesus to reveal the Father to us. Do you know how much he would love that? Do you know how much Jesus longs for us to be in relationship with his Father the way that he was? He longs for it so much that he gave his own life that he shed his own blood so that you could come into relationship with your father. He paid a price so that you could come into relationship with your father. We have fathers on the earth, but the scriptures say don't call anybody on earth father. There's only one father. There's only one father. We have people that look after us while we're on earth and they do the best job they know how with what they have. Amen. So forgive, let them go and put your eyes on a perfect and heavenly Father who will never let you down. Amen. He will call you into all that you are. If we can get this, if we can get this revelation, we can step up into an identity in Christ. And then when we go and we lay hands on the sick, those cancers obey because they realise that we don't just come on our own rights, but we are coming as a son, a daughter of the living God with all the authority of heaven behind us. Amen. And when we lay hands on the sick, we won't be just hoping they get healed. We will know. We will command that cancer to die in Jesus' name because we will take dominion authority 
over everything that opposes the kingdom of God, over everything that causes suffering, over every works of the enemy. We have been given dominion authority by Jesus Christ. And we'll get that way that we'll go, I am a daughter of the king and I cannot stand to watch you suffer. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Amen? In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. I shared this little story a little while ago that I was preaching at the youth group and I was praying for the youth at the end and there was a, a little girl who had purple hair and she got, she got filled with the Holy Spirit and she was just so overwhelmed that, that the Holy Spirit had come to her and, um, and she's laying on the floor and she looks up at me and she says this to me. She said, will I make it? I said, how old are you, darling? She said, I'm 17. Will I make it? Will I grow up? And I looked at her and I said, darling, you're not just going to make it. You are going to be the... And I just started to prophesy over her. Started, God just started to speak to me from his father's heart who she was, what she was going to do with her life, why she was on earth, what her identity was. And she looked at me and she said, will he still love me with purple hair? Darnie, I love your hair, green hair. I saw her a couple of weeks later at youth, and she had blonde hair now. She not only just had blonde hair, she had the most radiant face I've ever seen. And I looked at her and I thought, she's got it. She got it. She's a daughter of a king. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet. I'll just have the worship team come, thanks. We're going to ask, we're going to ask our Father God to, re, we're going to ask Jesus to reveal the Father to us, amen? And you've got to know how much God wants this. You've got to know that he's in heaven right now listening to all this groaning for you. And he is waiting for us to get it. And, and it's not going to be that you have to beg. Oh, Jesus, please reveal the Father to me, even though I'm a lowly subject and I don't deserve it and I'm just an Aussie and I'm pretty ugly and whatever. I don't want you to come this morning to him through a spirit of rejection in Jesus' name. In fact, close your eyes right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, you said, what if we bind on earth, we'll be bound in heaven. What if we loose on earth, we'll be loosed in heaven. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I bind the spirit of rejection over these people's minds in Jesus' mighty name. I bind the spirit of an orphan over this place in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I command right now that your people be set free, set free in their minds, set free in their hearts, set free in their spirits, that their souls will come into wholeness in you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and I lose the spirit of sonship over this place, in the name of Jesus, to every heart, to every mind, to every soul, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Amen. Now just bring that down again. Now we're going to ask God, we're going to ask Jesus to reveal the Father. It says in Luke 10, 22, All things have been committed to me by my Father. 
No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This morning, we're going to ask that Jesus would reveal the Father to us. Amen. And you've got to know that he wants to do this. Just close your eyes. Every eye in this place closed. Even you guys on the stage, just because you're up there, you're going to receive this morning. Amen. Just bring it right down. Just pray this with me. You might want to lift your hands. You might want to put your hands on your heart. Anything that it takes for you to open up. Say this. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my mistrust. Forgive me that I haven't opened up my heart fully to you. Forgive me that I've held myself back because of the rejection on my life. I'm stepping out of rejection. I'm stepping into sonship, into daughtership. And I'm asking, Jesus, reveal the Father to me. Let it come. Holy Spirit, come. Let the Spirit of the Father come. Wrap your arms around your people, Lord. Now just listen, let the Father speak to you right now. I want you to ask him this question. Father, what do you think of me? I want you to ask him right now. Father, what do you say about me? Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand.